0: Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd I am your host David K. Montoya Can you believe it It is Wednesday already? Good grief Yep, I find myself on Wednesday morning At 12.42 in in the morning (laughs) Um, I've been trying to record as per usual And it's never an easy task for me lately To sit down and get something recorded and this time around, it's uh, it's everything set. I got everything in place, and I'm not going to go on like a personal commentary like I did last week. Though, thank you for all the great responses and the well wishes for me and my new uh, you know my new job. Uh, that was very. Uh, appreciated, the, you know, the gratitude that I have for my listeners are just it's it's beyond words. It really is, and I hope that I can I can come to you and present material that is in the art of entertainment, you know, the movie news, the TV news or series news, the cartoon or animated news, the comic book news, and and um, You know, I I want to, oh, and and Toy of the Week, of course. But I I try to to come and go through all this stuff because my intent is never to trigger anybody. In fact, I look for the least triggering topics possible because I, I don't look at, you know, I know that. That's what other people do, other podcasts, other media outlets for comic books and and entertainment, is that they look for something to start a debate, start a fight, to trigger somebody. And that's how they they pull in their numbers. But I'm not like that. I am about the content of the material that is being put out. I've always been that. Because why? It's entertainment. It's a point and, and source of gratification and if you're getting pissed off and triggered then the it's not entertaining, right? Unless you're some weirdo that really, you know, likes to be upset all the time. The and and you know I'm a human being. There's there's topics that just really really ruffle my feathers, but I keep it to myself because that is not what this show is about it's not about my outsourcing of my personal opinion it is the content of what is delivered through the the channels of entertainment in the form of news articles that I read to you all and then we discuss it now I will input a thought here and there, but the majority of the time, I think I don't even do that, and that is, you know, specifically because I don't want to offend or trigger or make anybody but hurt. And I guess that's what happened last week. Last week was I had a hard time recording. You know, something kept popping up, popping up, popping up, and I tried and I tried and I tried and I kept having to stop. And it was just like by the time I got to the point of starting to record when it was nice and quiet, it was super late and my eyes hurt and I didn't feel like reading the articles. So I went commentary style and I talked about random stuff. Well, not random stuff, but stuff that had been on my mind and on my chest. And before I even go any further, let me stand by and say, I still stand by what I said last week on all topics. My stance has not changed. So I'm just putting it out there. And, you know, within the 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 ideology of putting yourself out there, you know, um, I've been doing it since I was 13. I, I made my My start, I used to write and draw my own comic books. I'm sure you've you've guys heard that story a million times. Um, I made my own comic books and photocopied them on 11 by 7 paper and 11 11 by 17 paper, folded them, stapled them, and sold them for like a buck 25 or something. I don't remember now. So I've put myself out there. I'm used to it. I'm, you know, uh, I at least get one email. Whether it be about my short stories or, you know, uh, something I say in my commentary or, um, especially when I was doing seeing Red, I'd get emails, you know, you suck. I get that a lot. I really do. Unfortunately, I get that a lot. Not at least once a week. So, you know, when somebody comes in and says, hey, you suck, that doesn't really, really bother me. I, go, I, I literally have a pre-written email that I wrote years ago, and I just take their name if they leave it, or, you know, dear reader or, or dear listener, you know, pop that in there and send it on its way, because I, I get it so much, so it's just like, it gets redundant. But there's one thing that happened today, not today, but last week, after... The show dropped because I talked about I was opposed to the idea of a unionization to professional wrestlers uh, because I felt that it would destroy the independent wrestling market. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. And I, you know, I I put my opinions and, and thought about things. And, you know, even at the end of that, I was like, okay. Well, maybe I'm not fully against the idea of professional wrestling, you know, professional wrestlers as a whole, you know, because if you can make it where it just affects the people that work in the big companies, you know, whether they make a million dollars or more a year, then yeah, they can be organized. But if not, for the indies then just leave them alone. Just leave them alone and let it go. And that's where I left it. That is where I left it. <laughs> I put it to bed and I literally, I didn't even think about it after that. So I went, I, I was uh, online and I checked my email. I have my email on my phone. And I check it often because i I don't know if, if you guys are signed up for the newsletter that is for the Jaiselmon Dark Myth Company, I am really, really, really busy with a bunch of stuff. So I'm constantly checking my email. And I came across this one and it said, uh, show my public life. Oh, and, and if you're listening... Uh, the person that wrote the, the the email that I'm getting ready to go to, thank you for writing out the entire... Because that took some effort. I mean, you could just put My Public Life and left it at that. But you literally wrote My Public Life as an American Nerd podcast at that. And that was very impressive. So, um, you know, as far as your passion and, and delivering the whole sentence, that was appreciated. Even though that was probably the only thing in whole sentence form that was delivered. Now I didn't really how do I say this? I I I've never been called a racist before. And that's probably one of the things that bugged me the most is because it's something new. I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I've never been called racist. And The I'm actually trying to pull up the email right now um, as I'm talking about this, because I, I want to. And it was very brief. It was very simple and to the point. And. Basically, like I said, it was because of. The unionization of professional wrestling, I wasn't for it. And let's see if I can find it here. I get a lot of emails. Sorry, <laughs> and then we'll get into it. I promise. Okay, here we go. Um, I won't say that it's from. I was I was gonna be a jerk and say it, but I'm not gonna say it. Um, so it's like I said, it's my public life is an American nerd podcast. So I'm like, okay, let me click on it and find out. And we click on it and it simply says, yo, you, why or not even Y-O-U, it's just you, yo, you, sucks, S-U-X, and hate, and that's H with the number eight, you, explanation point. And, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh. That I'm racist, yeah. You know, uh, dissolving or not dissolving. Let's see. That's it's written like that. So, and I know that I I know this guy. I've seen this letter or this email before. So I think he's kind of just likes to troll me from time to time. Now that I'm looking at it, but his his letters is like like I said, Y O Y O U, capital U, just U, S U X and H8 hate you, explanation point. Uh, Why are you against unions, you racist? There it is right there. So, yeah. So I got called a racist for saying that I I felt like um, unionization for professional wrestling is something that. I don't agree with. I can't agree with everything, can I? Um. So anyway, the reason I bring all that up, and because of the email, is that you know I go out of my way to try to not to try to find things that are not triggering, and um, then I do a you know free free freestyle commentary, and I piss people off. Oh goodness. So I almost said his name again. If I know you're listening, I know you're listening because you want to know if I'm going to have a reaction. So, yes, I am having a reaction. And I want you to really think about this, because in that statement. There's just so many wrongs, and I'm not even talking about your spelling or your grammar. The. The idea of calling someone a racist because they don't agree with an idea that you agree with is just ludicrous. I, it makes no sense whatsoever. Also it's an indication that you don't know me. you don't have no idea who I am as a person, as a human being. I don't care. If you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian. I might care if you're like, you know, a Martian. Maybe. Probably. Maybe a Martian. But no, I don't care about race. I don't care if you're gay or straight or bi or trans or whatever. I don't care. I don't care if you voted for Trump or Biden. I don't care. That's not my my issue. My issues are with the content of the person. If you're a good person, you're a good person. I like you. It's that simple. If you're not a good person, chances are I don't like you. It's it's that simple. Okay. I I, I have to say this. Now, I don't... Okay, I have an idea of the the ethnicity of this person based on their name. But I just want to throw something out. Okay, number one, I do own JPWI, which is Jason Mon Professional Wrestling International. We do have a world heavyweight champion. His name is Blake Grayson. And Blake was the very first champion. He's number one. OK. Blake is African-American. Did it have anything to do with the fact that we, we decided to make him a champ? No, not at all. We saw him as the potential of being a great champion. And quite frankly, you want to know what? He beat Hammerstone, Alex Hammerstone. You know, at the time, I don't know if he is now, but he was the MLW Open weight champion, MLW, that falls in that million dollar range. You know, white guy, beat him. So it didn't matter whether it was a. It, it, I'm trying not to let this get away because we're already at the 15 minute mark. It didn't matter if he was black or white or Asian or Hispanic. He was a great performer. If you watched him in the ring at PCE last year, or actually this year, um, he performed amazing. He just It was great. It was a great show. He deserved to win. So we made him the first world champion. If I were racist, that wouldn't have happened. Just saying. And I am going to go ahead and bring this up one more time. Uh, I mentioned this on my commentary for theworldofmyth.com. www.worldofmyth.com. Theworldofmyth.com. I, my name, (laughs) if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I always say my, my name. David K. Montoya. Which is translated into David Montoya. Which translates into, you guessed it, Hispanic, Latino. I'm white. I'm a white-complected guy. But my origin is Hispanic from Spain. So, growing up, I had a, a great uncle. And because my dad was Hispanic, I was called Little Chicano. As a slang, as a derogatory statement, because I wasn't completely white. And then when I was in school, I was bullied because I was too white to be Hispanic. So I literally, I was actually, I seen racism from both sides. That's real life. That's that's reality. I didn't dwell on it, and maybe that's why I'm so open to to different to everything. I'm I, it doesn't matter to me who or what you are, what you believe in, what you do. I don't care. Maybe that's why. It actually, makes a lot of sense. So, okay, I'm gonna just leave it at that. And yes, you got out of my skin. Yes, you got 18 minutes of airtime. Congratulations. I'm not racist. But I stand by what I said last week. And if you think, any of you think, that me not supporting a a unionization of professional wrestlers is a, a racist thing, turn me off. Don't come back. Because I don't need close-minded people like that around me. All right, that was really serious. So let's take a deep breath. All right, here we go. Now let's get into our regular scheduled program at the 18 minutes and 35 second mark. <laughs> Fortunately for me this week, it wasn't too, too hard to... To find, I mean, I I, of course you have to dig through the crap to find the best stuff. But um, I think I found some really cool stuff. And uh, I was excited because I don't know how this slipped past me. And it is the Batman first look at Batcave revealed in new set photos. I'm like, ooh, show me, show me. Alright, let's see what it says. The Batman has revealed a first look at its version of the Batcave and new set photos. We got a taste of the kind of base of operations that Robert Pattinson's Batman Bruce Wayne will have during the first trailer for The Batman. But this is a much more intensive look the photos come from a gallery by mail dot UK which shows the massive new UK lot set that are being built by director Matt leaves Reeves Matt Reeves sorry and his crew for Batman's continuing shoot on one set of images show Details that's going into make a new vision of the Batcave. Alright, let's see what it looks like. Okay, so it's on top. There's, there's a picture of Robert Pattinson. Behind him, I guess, is uh, the lot that they're putting together. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I, you really can't see much in this photo. What they're putting out. So... Let's see. They're building it, and huh? I don't know. I don't know. I can't really be the judge of. I just see the architecture of it. Uh, let's see. It says the photos only capture the exterior of the Batman's version of the Batcave, but they are still an impressive testament to what Matt Reeves is doing with his vision of Batman's world. The filmmakers have constructed an entire mass set that looks like a cliffside that tops the trees or top with trees. The cliff has a sheer rock face that drops down to the body of the water below, a small pool and the actual piece set. Beneath the overhang of the rock is a wide opening that presumably leads to the bat cave. A small beach path of rocks and suit lines lines the cave opening, presumably providing access by foot. While most of us expect some kind of incarnation set piece to the exterior of the bat cave, it's interesting to see that the scope of the construction and the level of detail being put into the exterior of the cave there's even room for robert pattinson's bruce wayne to be shot taking a long walk through the woods and along with along the cliffside and given the efforts being put onto the set it's hard to imagine a sequence like that not appearing in reeves film the batman will examine how bruce wayne is faring as Batman, year two, into his career as a crime fighter. Reeves' version of the Dark Knight will still be using most DIY methods to create his costume, gadgets, and vehicles, and based on the workshop we see in the trailer, he does not yet have the resources of the fully compared to an operational Batcave. A great epilogue to the film would be seeing Bruce actually Settle into Wayne Manor and map out a plan for the bat cave he will build. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that idea. I think that's a very good idea, actually. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, like I said, it, and it is, it's huge. You can go to the Daily Mail. Uh, Twitter page. I'm not big on Twitter but uh, I'll go ahead and plug it Twitter. It's at Daily Mail Celeb and you'll see it. It says the Batman crew builds a sprawling set to recreate Gotham City which is actually an incorrect title. It's the Batcave but it's okay. And uh, you can check it out. It looks pretty cool. That's You can only imagine the millions of dollars that they're spending on that kind of thing. You know, it's it's like, um, how do you explain it? It's like you're going to build something and you're not going to use it over and over and over again. I mean, you'll use it within the movie, but, you know, that's about it. You won't really go back in and use it. And, you know, <clears throat> what about the Batmobile? I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like there's there's one series that comes to mind, um, you know, Supernatural. And I've just recently been pretty much introduced to the Supernatural world. And I know that, like, the, the car is called Baby. And it's the same one that they've used over and over and over. In fact, that one of the actors took it on the last episode. They took it home with them. And so my, my point is, is um, what happens to all that stuff with the Batman? You know, are they going to put it in a storage unit and just like, eh, what if it flops? I don't know. I'm rambling. Uh, interesting segue, unintentional segue, but it's segue nonetheless. I brought up Supernatural, which actually is our next topic. And like I said, it was uh, something that, uh, was introduced to me by a very good friend. and at some point in time when I go back into being entertained instead of trying to be entertaining, I will sit down and watch all like fifteen or sixteen seasons of it because it just the the bits and pieces that I've caught look absolutely amazing. and um, again, I got bits and pieces of the finale last or to last night. And uh, it was just like, wow. You know, just even in the bits and pieces were amazing. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of semi-invested. I might just actually pull the trigger on that. Anyway, jumping to our topic. It says, Supernatural's final episode has a super subtle nod to the pilot. And it is... Lifelong fans of the show noticed the final episode of the long-running fantasy Supernatural added a subtle callback to the pilot. Okay, here we go. Your your warning. Warning. This article contains spoilers for Carry On, Season 15, Episode 20 of Supernatural. Alright, here we go. There's your warning. You you've been warned all right with the series finale of supernatural being the demon hunting brothers journey to a close the show couldn't resist giving longtime fans an easter egg to find that harkens back to the very first episode a keenly observant twitter user first spotted the callback in the wardrobe department's choice to dress the Winchester boys in the very same outfits they wore in the pilot episode. The tweet subsequently blew up with fans confirming the costume reference and commenting on the many elements of the earlier series coming full circle, bringing on a lot of heavy emotions. While the showrunners bored up for family business of saving people and hunting things, that became the Winchester's motto and fan-favorite tagline. The costume department seemed to have successfully recreated the near-perfect match of the Eccles and... Oh gosh, I wasn't expecting to say his last name. Padalecki War in Episode 1, Season 1. Fans also speculated that the final episode, Carry On, which aired November 19th and was directed by Robert Singer and written by Andrew Dabb, has another reference to the pilot. As the brothers drive off through heaven in their trusty Impala, it appears that the bridge they drove over was the same one they crossed in the pilot episode after first deciding to pursue monster hunting. The television series first aired in 2005 on the WB network before making its way over to the CW family and features a pair of brothers who take on their father's demon hunting profession, traveling across the United States and an old Chevy Impala Dean Winchester and Sam Winchester have been taking on demons, monsters, and even gods for 15 years at its final hurrah, it has become the longest-running live-action fantasy show on American history to date. Supernatural starred Jared Padalecki and Jensen Eccles, Misha Collins, Andrew Culvert. All 15 seasons are streaming now on Netflix. So there you go. That's, that's cool. See, I, again, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of, you know, suddenly becoming invested into the show. Unfortunately, it's over. I, I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate because now I can just binge watch all of them, you know, and just kind of have it all together. Um, you know, I, I, the last one I did is uh, my sister, Rebecca. She introduced me to Family Guy. And I was like, eee. you know, if you listen to back to old episodes of *Scene Red*, you know, they talked about *Family Guy*, *Family Guy*, *Family Guy*, *Family Guy*. I think it was finally in 2015 I sat down <laughs> and binged every single episode of *Family Guy*. And the only ep, uh, the only season that I have not watched is this season, the one that's being made right now. Um, so. I might do that with uh, Supernatural, too. But speaking of of Family Guy... um, Okay, so if you're a Family Guy fan, you would know that Adam West was the mayor. And unfortunately, he passed away some time back. Well, just now, they have finally found a replacement as the mayor. And... (laughs) When I seen this, I was like, "Oh my God, yes, yes, oh yes!" I was, I was so into. Okay, uh, let me just stop jumping around and let me go ahead and tell you what this is. Family Guy releases first clip of Sam Elliott's new mayor. Yep. Yeah, uh huh. Yep, yep. The town of Quahog is getting a new mayor this weekend. Beloved actor Adam West played the mayor of Family Guy up until his death in 2017, and the long-running series is finally ready to be introduced his replacement. It is announced earlier this week that Tombstone star and mustache king Sam Elliott would be taking over as the mayor, playing a character literally named Wild Wild West, the cousin of the late Adam West, Wild 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 is a spitting image of Sam Elliott, and fans have been looking forward to this his arrival. This Sunday's episode of Family Guy will be the first featuring Elliott's new character, and Fox has released a clip of Wild Wild interacting with Peter to get folks excited for what's ahead. The clip sees Peter visiting West on his mustache form, where he feeds and raises mustaches. You can check it out in the video above. Okay, we may look at it if we get time. A new mayor needs to be elected in Quahog, and Peter doesn't believe in any of the other candidates running, so he tracks down Wild Wild West and convinces him to enter the fray. According to Peter, Wild Wild is a legendary cowboy and sports person for everything manly, which is exactly how many people would describe Sam Elliott. When casting was announced earlier this year, Family Guy executive producer Richard Appel spoke to Entertainment Weekly about Elliot was the choice to replace West and what it would look at, or what it took to get him on the show. And this is a quote. Who could be as original and unexpected and comedically funny and fresh as Adam, said Appel. Sam has a voice that, obviously, he's a movie star, but he also has a voice made for radio. And Sam Elliott quickly became our first choice. He was reluctant, he said. He just felt like he didn't want to play himself, which made us go back and rethink things. Alright. Is there someone else? And we thought, wait a minute, the note is a smart note, because... That was more what Adam West was doing. And the new mirror shouldn't be a real world celebrity playing himself within our fictional world. So we kicked around a bunch of ideas and then said, what if we refashioned this as a wild, wild west for Sam Elliott and create this new character and his response very well to the idea? The new episode of Family Guy airs on Sunday night at 9:30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. All right. Well, I'm in. Let's let's see if I can load this up. Uh, maybe we can listen to it. Let's see if we can. That was beautiful. If you think the birth is beautiful, you should see the conception. Mmm, Jasmine Oolong. What can I do you for, stranger? My name is Peter Griffin, and I'm from Quahog, Rhode Island, where your cousin Adam West was our mayor for many years, and since he's gone to a better place... Duluth? I was thinking heaven, but okay, sure. Beautiful country, Duluth. The air moves in your nostrils like a welcome guest. God, that's awesome. Anyway, I thought you would be the perfect person to take his place as our mayor. Peter, have you ever killed a man? Reddit says I've killed 39, but that seems low. Why do you ask? Just making conversation. Look, I know it's a lot to ask, but Cohog needs you. You're a perfect person to lead us through the last five years of the United States' existence. So what do you say? Will you be our mayor? Can I tell you a secret, Peter? I can levitate. No way. Can you show me? No, but it's true. Uh, that seems like the kind of thing you have to prove right when you say it. Well, I suppose you're right. I appreciate you coming all this way, Peter, but I can't be your mayor. But, why, West, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Almost started that again. That was very cool. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I might actually try to catch a live, you know, live uh, show of that. I'm I'm really into that. I like the idea. I like the concept. I like you know, Mere West to Wild West. I like everything about it. There's nothing really that I I'm not digging about this. Plus, you know, it's Sam Elliott. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Sam Elliott. Oh, goodness. You can never go wrong with Sam Elliott. All right. Moving on. Let's go ahead and jump into some comic book news. Because, you know, I haven't talked about Star Wars in a while. I know. Well, I didn't. I don't think I talked. I think it's been at least a good two weeks since I talked about Star Wars. Um, So here in the comic book news, originally we were going to talk about uh, Marvel and the extremely long list. I was really surprised at the list of uh books they're canceling titles so I'm like okay um, but yeah so I felt that was kind of a downer and I came across this one and of course me being you know me a Star Wars fan I was like oh I'm all over this so we're gonna tackle this and we'll see let's see what kind of good conversation comes out of this here we go <clears throat> Star Wars. Darth Vader is still haunted by Anakin's most unforgivable acts. Star Wars, Darth Vader, number seven, just shows us how he's still haunted by his most unforgivable acts he committed when Anakin joined the dark side. Alright, I get to do the warning again. Warning. Following contains spoilers for Star Wars, Darth Vader, number seven, by Greg Peck. Raphael Icano, and Joe Kamamega. Alright. When Anakin Skywalker fell from grace in Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith, and officially pledged to the uh, Emperor Palpatine, many fans thought all this emotion were purged, and he became the cold-blooded killer. However, Padme's death stuck with him. And even after he turned into Darth Vader, there were pieces of humanity that Padme tried to eliminate as the years went by. Now, courtesy of Star Wars: Darth Vader Number Seven, we are seeing more of how the Sith Warlord, Warlord, gee, (laughs) got tongue there, tongue tied there, how the Sith Warlord was haunted by Anakin's most unforgivable acts as he tried to rebuild himself on Musfar. Okay, yeah, yeah, I knew that was going to be the top one, killing all those kids, the the younglings. That was, that was, yeah. Even me, that bothered me. Palpatine has left the robotic frame and tattered after arrogantly choking and brutally punishing Vader for letting Padme's cult live. He sees this as an act of endearment and is intent on breaking Vader's mind, body, and soul. But as he crawls back to the command center, we see memories being dredged up that shows how remorseful Anakin is. Firstly, as he kneels and swears allegiance... We can see the pain in his face as Palpatine tells him to go bring peace to the Empire. And he is sad that he killed all the younglings at the Jedi Temple on Palpatine's request, which is the most brutal and irredeemable act ever. It has even scarred Obi-Wan and Yoda when they viewed the video archives confirming he went to the dark side. As this scene recalls the atrocities that Anakin had committed on screen, ghosts manifest with Vader in the room, haunted by his bloody past. The younglings appear, reminding us how he slaughtered the innocent children who looked upon him as a master. It was all part of Order 66, which continued to dig at Anakin as he conflicted in yeah, he conflicted in the genocide of the of the Jedi. With blood on his hands, he could never wash off. Sure, some seniors might have been extreme and deserved to have been. see, deserved to have their decisions on the galactic peace question, but cutting kids down is just disgraceful. Interestingly, he also spot a decaying corpse of Newt Gr- Griggan, the Viceroy of the Trade Federation, who manipulated the separist, separatist movement and the Republic, all as a spawn of Palpatine as Dark Sidious at the time. His crew was hiding there the night Obi Wan burned him up, thinking Annie arrived as salvation to take them to the take him to the Emperor, only for him to slice up the droids and diplomat present. It was all to silence them, removing evidence that could incriminate the Emperor, and as he remembers his action, Vader knows he backed the wrong horse, and ultimately sold out the galaxy. That said, while he followed far down the hole, he wanted to claw his way back due to sheer hatred of his leader. Unfortunately, Vader just wasn't or isn't powerful as his teacher. He's still weighed down by the guilt of, of it all, responsibility and accountability for his actions, and it's this consequence that Palpatine wants purified. All right. I might have to buy that one. It looks good. Interesting. I'm just looking at the artwork. looks pretty good. So, yeah. Well, you know, we, we can all kind of see... You know, I've said this before, and I do. I, I like I like the first three. And, of course, nothing's better than a sec Or, you know, the no, second three. Good God. Well, yeah. Yeah. I guess four, five, and six is still the best. Return of the Jedi is my absolute favorite. Um, but I felt like... 1, 2, and 3 felt rushed, you know, because Anakin was just, what, 8 or 9 in Phantom Menace, and then, you know, he was, what, 18, 19 at the end of the third movie? So I don't know. I just didn't feel – it felt very rushed. We needed, like, more. So I'm very happy that they're coming in with these stories, elaborating and telling us more – Of the story that we missed in that time, if that makes any sense. All right. It has been a day and we are getting ready to wrap things up uh, as we take this corner. And I've got a very fun surprise for you. Um, With Christmas season right around the corner, next week will be uh, December. And we're going to hopefully be more festive than last year. And with all that said, this, is, this was the inspiration behind our Toy of the Week. This is by NECA. It is also from, of course, as always, BigBadToyStore.com. It is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Santa Frank figure now i know that some people may not know the oswald you know uh vacations but oh my god they're so good um and may not appreciate this as much as i do um, but this is clark griswold from national lampoon's christmas vacation uh, he's got he's even got the, the that green ugly ass tie on too and then the green out or the same outfit and let's see yeah, he just looks really stir crazy looks great um, let's see uh, let's go down to product description real fast all right product description. Let's see. This Christmas, in Clark's quest for the perfect family gathering, he'll sort short out Chicago's power grid, electrocute a cat, battle a tree loving squirrel, hold his boss hostage, and spend some quality time with the local SWAT team. Maybe it'll be Christmas after all. Celebrating more than twenty-five years of National Unplunes Christmas vacation with this retro cloth action figure from the hilarious holiday classic movie. Santa Clark stands 8 inches tall and is dressed in a tailored fabric clothing similar to the iconic toy line of the 1970s. The figure features the authorized likeness of Chevy Chase and includes plenty of accessories for complete holiday cheer. Marty Moose Mug. Removable Santa Hat. Replica. Model Pool. Comes in a collector-friendly window box packaging. Product features. Product stands. 8 inches tall. Fabric. Tailored fabric clothing. Multiple accessories. Collector-friendly window box packaging. Authorized likeness of Chevy Chase. The box contains. Santa Clark figure. Santa Hat. Marty the Moose Mug. And Replica Pool. All right. And then, of course, you know, we always say this. I always say this. I don't know why I say we. It's always me. No, one. I don't think anybody else has ever hosted this show. Um, oh no, I don't think so. Uh, of course, it's pre-order. Most of the stuff that I pick is 99.9999% of the time is pre-ordered. And so pre-ordered notes is... Arrival date is estimated and is not guaranteed. No payment is due until the product is available to ship. And item may be canceled at any time before the payment is due. Now, that is saying that it's going to be shipped out fourth quarter 2021. And this bad boy is actually only going for $34.99. And, you know... Yes, I I do realize that fourth quarter 2021 is is a long way away, but, you know, hey, Christmas gift for next time. (laughs) So if you want to check that out, go to BigBadToyStore.com and then pop in on the search bar and type in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Santa Frank Figure. Again, it is by NECA, and it is only $34.99. All right, gang, we made it through another episode. Uh, Sorry for the very long rant about the email. Um, I just, I needed to get it off my chest, and now we can all move on and just get back on with life. So with that being said... I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, as it is going to be tomorrow, on the 26th. Uh, I don't know where you're at in the United States, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to get together with your, your family and indulge in the holiday cheer. Uh, unfortunately, our governor has decided to outlaw Thanksgiving, so We'll be Thanksgiving here by ourselves. Well, not by ourselves. I mean, I'll have my kids and family, um, you know, in the household. But no getting out, no no getting together, rather. Um, I hope that you, you know, sit down and, and, you know, just it's Thanksgiving. So it's time to give thanks. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. Be thankful that, you know, you're alive. You're above the dirt. <laughs> That's the big thing. You know, and, uh, you know, be thankful that there's always hope. There's always hope. And, uh, you can never beat that. All right, gang, thank you so much for coming in this week. Uh, come back next week and we'll find out what other geeky news that I can find. Um, one more thing before I jump in, uh, Typically, the last Wednesday of December is the end of the season. No matter what number I'm on, that's where it usually ends. Now, last season, episode or season uh, three, we went to uh, 26 episodes. And I was thinking about doing that again this time around. But I'm not 100% sold on that, so there might actually only be like four more episodes left of My Public Life for season four. Um, I would like to get some input. Uh, you can you can either you know if you're like a Facebook friend, you can always Facebook message me, or you can email me at mypubliclife at jayzomon j a y z o m o n dot com. And tell me, do you want more episodes or should I just wrap up the season? Uh, Let's take a little quick peek at what the last Wednesday of December will be. That will be the 30th. And um, yeah, so let me know. And I will make my decision. And I'll let everybody know probably next week. So, for this episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. And I'll see you all next week. Take care.